Hello, thank you for listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH, a weekly discussion of all things literary. I'm your host, Candace Huber. Today, I'm talking with Angie Thomas, author of the YA hit, The Hate You Give. It came out February 28, and her debut book, inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement, shot up to number one almost immediately, and it's already been optioned for a film. And I think, personally, that this should be required reading for everyone in the U.S. So welcome, Angie. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit, uh, I guess, just tell us a little bit about the book. I, this is about a, a book about a girl named Star Carter, and she watches her childhood best friend get murdered by the police. And so I wanted to ask you why a YA story versus an adult story? Well, there are several reasons. Um for one, I honestly cannot see myself writing for adults. And that's not um, to say anything against adult literature. I just can't see myself doing it. Um, I honestly have the utmost respect for people who do it because I don't get how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the second reason is because so often with these cases where unarmed black people lose their lives, um, we're looking at young adults as the victims. Um, mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin was 17 years old. Tamir Rice was 12. Yes. So we have children who see themselves in these young men and young women, and they're deeply affected by it. So I wanted to write something for them. And I also wanted to write something for teenagers because so many of them are finding their voices and finding their activism. And I wanted to give them a mirror to see themselves. But also, I knew that adults read young adult literature. I'm an adult. I love YA. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I felt like, unfortunately, if I wrote it from the perspective of a 16-year-old girl, I had a better chance of reaching some adults than I would with, say, a 30-year-old woman because she still has her innocence. Right. Um, so I figured if I told it from the perspective of this girl, I could probably get more empathy out of people. And and that's probably true <laughs> that uh, that unfortunately people do have more empathy um, for a 16 year old girl. And I think it's so important that it is a black girl. That's the that's the main character in this book, because you just we don't have a lot of that, unfortunately, in literature. And we don't have a lot of black woman authors. And I just think it's really important um, that we have more people like you writing books and more characters like Star in books. I think it's really important to to go on that this journey with her as she finds her voice so that other young girls can watch that and know that they can find their voice, too, and realizing that their voices are important. So can you talk a little bit about that, too? And, and was that something that was intentional when you wrote this book is to try and help young black women know that their voice is important? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, When I wrote it, I knew in the back of my mind that when we see cases of unarmed black people losing their lives, um, it's usually boys, it's usually men. And as a result, we have a lot of outreach to young black men and young black women often get left in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not and uh, there are organizations, there are great organizations that are doing um, outreach work to girls, to black girls, but not nearly as many as to black boys. So I felt like they're just as affected by this, but we're not giving them um, ways to see themselves. We're not giving them the same kind of outreach that they deserve. So I wanted to write something for them. And also because, like you were saying, there aren't enough 
black girls in books. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if there's a young black girl in a young adult novel, she's the sidekick. Right. She's a sassy sidekick or she's the um she's a sidekick full of wisdom or something like that. And I wanted to break away from that. I wanted to show this black girl um with her own story who finds her voice. And it was important because, like you said, we don't see that enough. And also, it's not just to give black girls mirrors, but to give other people windows. Um, I hope that using Star, I could break away at some stereotypes about young black women. Um, because so often they get boxed in, you know, there's the assumption that they're the angry black girl or the sassy black girl or the ghetto black girl. I wanted to break away at all of that. So when I approached this character, I knew from the start she was going to be a young black girl because we don't see enough of that. Yes, and I agree. And that's why I that's why I keep saying like this book, I think everyone should read it. I think it's really important and it will show people that experience that I think a lo- that we just don't see very often. And I I wanted to talk a little bit too about using art, so whether it's fiction, whether it's movie making, whether it's painting, whatever it is, as a form of activism, because I think that this book definitely does that, and Star sort of finds her activism um, through through her experience. And you see a lot of this recently coming out, movies like Get Out, and a lot of different artists now are coming to the forefront, black artists, and I think mm-hmm. that's amazing. And so I, what do you think about all of that and, and using art just in general as a form of activism? I absolutely love it because if nothing else is telling young people that there's no one way to be an activist and there's no one way to use your voice. Um, and I hope that it helps more than realize that their voices matter. Um, I always say writing is a form of activism because if it wasn't for books, sometimes we wouldn't have glimpses into other lives and we wouldn't have that empathy that helps us to find our own voice and speak up for other people. So um, writing plays a big role. And like you were saying, even music, I'm looking at Beyonce and she's yes. giving me life lately. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> Beyonce. So she's using her platform and she's using her art to make her voice heard. And I know it's pissed some people off, but regardless, she's using it and she's doing it. And it's such an amazing thing to see. Um, and the unfortunate thing is people will be pissed off if you go against the grain. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, but I definitely, I'm definitely seeing the effect that it's having on teenagers, especially. Um, you have, like, for instance, the young lady, Marley Diaz, who's doing the 1,000 um, Black Girl Book Drive. Yes. That's that's activism right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing young people find their voices, find their activism. They're starting organizations. Um, they're using their art. They're finding their voices in so many different kinds of ways. And as an author, um, I felt like I had to give them a reflection of themselves with this book. But also, it inspires me to even find my voice and to keep writing for them and to keep showing them themselves because it's a beautiful thing right now. I love it. I absolutely love it. It is. And I think all of this art, and like you're saying, from music to movies to books, and I think it's all a really good way to bring things to the forefront. And and all of these things, I think all of these things that we've talked about, whether it's your book, whether it's Beyonce, whether it's Get Out, all of these things make people uncomfortable. And I think that's important in activism and in getting a message across, because I think if people aren't uncomfortable, then they're not learning. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's uh, these things are making people uncomfortable, but I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> I think it's a good right, thing that right. people are it's, uncomfortable. 
it's kind of like one of my trainers told me once. He was like, if you're not comfortable, if you're comfortable, change isn't happen- happening. So it's kind of like that in a way. Um, I hated him when he said that, but it's kind of <laughs> like that in a way. So um, discomfort means it, ma- it makes people reflect and it makes people think. And hopefully it'll cause change to happen. Yes. And let's talk about Tupac for a second, because the the title of your book comes from Tupac and it's and it's one of his tattoos, right? Right. Tupac right. tattoo. So can you tattoo. talk about that a little bit? Because I I noticed as soon as I saw the title, I'm a big rap and hip hop fan. And as, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, that is Tupac. So yes. can you talk a little yes. bit about Tupac's inspiration on this story and to you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's funny because I've had a lot of grammar nerds reach out to me and they're like, why don't you just write out Y-O-U? Why the you? That looks so blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's on purpose because each letter spells out the word thug. Um, that comes from Tupac's Thug Life Tattoo. Yeah. Um, he said that Thug Life was an acronym. Now, can I curse on your show? I want to be careful. You just can't say the F word, but you can say anything oh, okay. else. Yeah. Okay, got you, got you. It's funny. I have a story about that in a minute. But um, (laughs) he said that it's still for the hate you give little infants F's everybody. Mm. And what he explained that as meaning is that what society feeds into youth, it has a way of affecting us all. Um, Systemic racism that's fed into youth has a way of affecting us all. Um, And he even referenced this in um, regards to the 1992 riots in Los Angeles. Um, after the beating of Rodney King. Mm, So mm -hmm. when I was writing this book, I felt like that was spot on because the hate that had been given given to Star and Khalil affects everyone in the book. Yes. Um, And it messes up everyone in the book in a way. And and we see that also with these cases where unarmed black men and women lose their lives. Um, It affects us all in a way. So Thug Life just really captured that, and it defined exactly what I was trying to do. But um, Tupac has always been a big influence on me. Um, I feel like I first got woke by listening to Tupac. I mean, I was around 11 years old when I heard the song Changes. Mm. And I, there's this one line that stuck with me. He says, they got money for wars but can't feed the poor. And I remember being 11 and going, whoa. You know? Yes. <laughs> it was like he opened my eyes. And just listening to his music and listening to his interviews, and reading up on him and then reading the things that he said he read, like the autobiography of Malcolm X and all of these things. He led me to the knowledge I now have as a young black woman in this country and the consciousness that I now have. Mm-hmm. So I definitely credit him for that. But I often say that I want to rap, write like Tupac rapped. Um, you can listen to a Tupac album. One song will make you cry. The next song will make you think. The next one will make you laugh. The next one will piss you off. Yes. And that's exactly what I want to want to do to my readers. Uh, I want to make you laugh. I want to make you cry. I want to make you think. I want to make you angry. So I often say that he's my biggest influence as a writer. And that's not to shade other, you know, authors or anything. But I, I honestly, I first saw myself in a Tupac song more than I saw myself in a book. Yes. So that influence goes a long way for me, for sure. Yes, I think rappers are definitely poets, and I don't think a lot of people view them that way, Um, but they definitely are. And I think, again, it goes back to look at how much influence this artist had on you and how much influence art has in influencing people and in making people think about things. And I just think that's really an important thing these days. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think we give hip-hop nearly enough credit. Um, I was recently in a meeting at my publisher, HarperCollins, with like a lot of different executives and editors and marketing people just from all over the company who read my book and loved my book. They weren't even working on it, all of them. They just wanted to meet me. And I was just honest with them. I said, when I was a teenager, you guys failed me because young adult books didn't show me myself. Um, not nearly as much as they should have. Right. Hip hop, hip hop showed me myself. Hip hop filled that gap in. Um, I could see myself in a Tupac song. I could see myself in even a TLC song or a Nas song. So it was when young adult books failed me, hip hop gave me myself. So I don't think we give it enough credit because their kids now, they won't, they won't read. They don't like reading because guess what? They can't relate to the stories, but I bet you they can relate to that hip hop song. Right. So Absolutely. we don't give it enough credit for giving kids that um, that mirror that they need. No, and I think in in a lot of ways we discredit it uh, as a mm-hmm. society, and I think that is unfortunate because oh, yeah, I, I think definitely. that it, it not you know, and I think that's the same. And I the last thing that I sort of want to talk about with your book is the the idea of code switching because this happens with the main character Star who is growing up in a poor black neighborhood, but then she goes to a prep school that's mostly white. And Mm -hmm. she has to live in both worlds, which is a very real reality for a lot of black kids. So can you talk about that a little bit, too, and this idea of the the two different stars that are the same person trying to kind of straddle these two worlds? Okay, sure. Um, The idea of two different stars and two different worlds was influenced by my own experiences. Um, I lived in a mostly black neighborhood in Jackson, Mississippi. And when I was in college, I attended a mostly white private upper class school, um, just 10 minutes away from where I lived. But like in 10 minutes, you went from seeing church's chicken on every corner to Starbucks and the houses with the maids going in in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It was a whole different world. So I had to be two different people. Um, I would honestly leave the house blasting Tupac and then by the time I got to school, I was playing the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like, it was, oh, man. It was a phase. It was a phase. But, um, no, it was trying to figure out who I was, where I was, yeah. and also being conscious of the fact that I was the only black student most of the time in my creative writing classes um, and that people would maybe try to identify me as the black girl in the hood if I presented myself a certain way. So Star and her experience is definitely influenced by that. Um, She's from the hood like I was, and she's going to this mostly white private prep school and with kids who have drivers dropping them off every morning, whereas it's her mom dropping her and her brothers off every morning. So she's coming into this knowing she's different, and she's coming into this knowing that she has to be careful that people don't try to stereotype her or box her in. Um, she's always conscious of the way she presents herself. She's always conscious of the way she speaks. She's always conscious of, um, as her mom would probably say, not showing her behind, you know? <laughs> right, right. And she's, she's in a constant state of worry in a way because she never wants anyone to think of her as the black girl from the hood and she never even wants anyone to think of her as a charity case 
So she code switches a lot. She um she presents herself um in a more quote unquote acceptable way in a space like that. Um she's careful of the way she speaks and even um the things she discusses while at school. She doesn't discuss her neighborhood because she doesn't want people to make assumptions about her. So she tries to hold on to herself though in ways like small things, for instance. Her love for sneakers. She tries to hold on to that. You know, that's mm-hmm. something nobody's going to take for her. Right. <laughs> you know, but um, it's kind of that double consciousness that W.E.B. Du Bois once spoke about that a lot of black people have. And it's a struggle of, you know, you're trying to assimilate, but you're mad at yourself for doing it. And that's something Star struggles with. She knows she has to do it. And she's angry that she has to do it or that she's even allowing herself to do it. So it's honestly, I think it's a struggle that a, young, a lot of young black kids and young kids of color can identify with. I've had a lot of them reach out to me and say, thank you, because this is the first time someone's reflected what I'm definitely going through right now. So, and I honestly think that a lot of adults can understand it because so often um, we have to be careful, especially black people or people of color, period. We're always careful of how we present ourselves because we don't want to be seen as a stereotype or we don't want people making assumptions, you know, just because I say the word lit, I don't want you to assume that I'm unintelligent. Right. You know what I mean? So, and it's unfortunate. Um, but I also try to combat that in the book because the whole idea that African-American vernacular means you're ignorant. That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have a character like Star's dad who, who speaks, African-American vernacular, you know, mm-hmm. her uncle will say, all right, but her dad says, all right, but that does not mean he's any less intelligent. Right. So while I do code switch with Star, I have characters who do not code switch and they're still intelligent characters. And that was really a strong point for me to get across. Yes. And I do think that's really important. And I do think a lot of adults struggle with the code switching as well. And I think it's just Mm -hmm. a beautiful, wonderful representation of an experience that I, as a white person, will never have. And Mm -hmm. being able to read books like yours really helps me and I think people like me to be able to, like you said, have a window and to understand that how almost borderline paranoid paranoia that that black people have to have, you know, they can't just take their trash out at night without looking suspicious. And mm-hmm. it's normal things that we can do that black people can't. And having that window is so important. Um, and having books, too, that young black girls and young black people can relate to. All of that right. is really important. So I think your book accomplishes all of that. And it's amazing. And I'm so glad you wrote it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, and thank you for joining me today. And I have had a really great time talking to you and getting to know your book. And the book that we've been talking about is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It was out February 28th. You can get it in bookstores anywhere. And again, I, I highly recommend it. We have actually Angie A book club. Uh, I own a bookstore called Tubby and Coos Mid-City Bookshop here in New Orleans, and I have a book club called the Not-So-YA Book Club, and it's for adults who read young adult books. Awesome. Yes, and so I, I am definitely going to get them to read this book next. Um, oh, thank you. Because it's thank so good. You. Yes, and I think they're going to love it. So everybody thank go you. out and buy this book. <laughs> thank you. Hey, can I add one quick thing? Absolutely. I usually have to give this as a disclaimer. It is not an anti-cop book. No, um, it is not. I have 
police officers in my family, and it was important for me that it was not an anti-cop book. It's anti-police brutality. There's a big difference. Yes, there's definitely a big difference. Um, and so do you have social media where folks can follow you? Yes. Um, my website is AngieThomas.com. I'm on Twitter at AC Thomas Books. Um, I'm on Instagram, not nearly enough, at AC Right. <laughs> um, and you can usually hit me up on one of those and I can respond quicker than I do to email. So <laughs> that is awesome. So Twitter, Instagram, and uh, website. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Angie. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I got to come down to that bookstore. Seriously. You do. You should come down. We do a lot of activism work through the bookstore as well. So I think you would like it. Oh, awesome. If it wasn't like a four hour drive, I would. I know it's so far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You've been listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH. I'm your host, Candace Huber.